Prayer Amid Pandemic, a podcast to encourage and sharpen the church through telling stories of Christians whose faith were shaped by sickness and by praying with fellow believers around the world. I'm Morgan Lee. The future Presbyterian minister, Francis Grimke, was born in 1850. His father was a slaveholder and his mother was enslaved. While Grimke was still young, his father died of the yellow fever epidemic. And although his father had tried to preventively take care of his family before he passed, the death catapulted Grimke and his siblings' childhoods into hardship and mistreatment. After the Civil War concluded in 1865, an academic mentor helped him relocate to Philadelphia, where Grimke began pursuing ministry. A staunch proponent of Reformed theology, Grimke also spent much of his life involved in the battle for civil rights for African Americans. Uh, Francis Grimke uh, was a longtime pastor of 15th Street Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. He, he served there from 1878 to 1885. Then he took a, um, another call in Jacksonville, Florida. And then he returned to 15th Street Presbyterian Church in 1889 and remained there until 1925. Eric Washington is an associate professor of history and the director of African and African Diaspora Studies program at Calvin University. Uh, he was born uh, into slavery in 1850 in South Carolina, uh, and uh, he graduated from Princeton Seminary. And he was thoroughly reformed as a Presbyterian uh, a person, Presbyterian pastor. But he was also committed to racial equality, and he was part of the Niagara Movement, uh, along with W.B. Du Bois and uh, William Monroe Trotta and uh, Ida B. Wells. And he was one of the founders of the NACP, which grew out of the uh, Niagara Movement. Why do we remember Francis Grimke's ministry today? It's a good question. Uh, uh, one thing I think I obviously right right now is people are remembering him because of the sermon that he gave in November of 1918 uh, during the Spanish uh, flu pandemic and, and also a sermon that I think he gave the next year, uh, a type of Thanksgiving service. Uh, I think that had to do with the end of the had 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 been due due to the end of the First World War. But I think among African-Americans who are Reformed, uh, Reformed and Presbyterian, he's, he's remembered because he, he was able to articulate what we would note as Orthodox Reformed teaching with just as much uh, a zeal and, and, and a very robust defense of African-American civil rights and uh, his honesty regarding American racism. What are some of the big theological ideas that animate his work? Well, as, as noted, he was, he was reformed through and through and in terms of what we'll call uh, doctrinal teaching. Uh, he, he had what we'll call a big God theology. He, he believed in God's absolute sovereignty, uh, over all of life and God's sovereignty and all of the universe. He believed in the transformative work of, of, of uh, the spirit. Uh, 
for believers in, in Jesus Christ. And he was a firm believer in, in, in divine justice, but also uh, societal justice. I think those are the things that animate his, his teaching. Eric, do you know how old Francis Grimke was when the Spanish flu broke out in 1918? 67 or 68, depending on the month. I think he was he was born in October. He died in October. He died in October 1937. So, yeah, he was about 68 years old. When the flu breaks out, he's nearly 70 years old and spent, mm-hmm. what, nearly 50 years in ministry at that point? Uh, just about, yes. So... Yeah. What else is happening in his life when the Spanish flu breaks out, and how does he kind of react to this in his writings? Okay, four years before, so in 1914, he lost his wife, Charlotte uh, Fortin Grimke, who was actually, I think, 13 years is his his, uh, senior. And he actually took her death really, really hard, and he wanted to uh, retire from the pastorate in 1914. But uh, the membership at 15th Street Presbyterian Church decided that they still wanted him to be their pastor. So he did take a step back. He didn't preach every Sunday. Uh, Yeah, he actually began writing uh, reflections. And we we, we have those. Uh, Carter G. Woodson, a renowned father of African-American history, uh, he he published a four-volume work on the works of Francis Grimke and volume three is nothing but these, these reflections. So we know that he was dealing with the pain and the loss of his wife, uh, four years prior when the, uh, Spanish flu breaks out. And talk about some of the stuff that he writes. And this one thing that's interesting that he wrote, dated October 14, 1918. So this is one month, well, actually three weeks before he gives the sermon at 15th Street Presbyterian Church, in which uh, people have been uh, blogging about of late. This is what he wrote, a portion of what he wrote, October 14, 1918. He says, I've been thinking of of this epidemic of Spanish flu, which has closed up all of our churches, and of how it has upset all of our plans. And I was a little inclined to be worried, to be fretful, but I soon recovered myself. I said, it may have upset our plans, but it has not upset God's plans. And after all, that is the important thing. The work that we are doing is God's work, and if providentially, due to uh, no fault of ours, it has been interrupted. Why should we worry? The thing to do is to rest in the Lord, is to wait patiently for him. Our plans may be defeated, but God's plans never. It sounds like Grimke really trusted in God's providence when you're reading from a passage like that. Are there any other passages where you see evidence of any other types of emotions that he had towards the whole situation? Oh, yes. And this this will bring me to um, a a portion of the sermon that he gave just three weeks after that. Now, uh, I mentioned uh, a bit ago that Grimke was he was a firm advocate 
for um, African-American civil rights. And he called out American racism and white supremacy and white privilege just about at every turn. Hmm. So during the sermon, uh, one of the points that he makes is that this this pandemic has, and I'm quoting here, it has shattered the theory so dear to the heart of the white man in this country that a white skin entitles its possessor to better treatment than one who possesses a dark skin. Hmm. And so what he's saying is that, all right, this this pandemic basically has, has erased that. But he goes on. He goes on to say something I think that's more potent than just than just that line. Uh, he says this. He said this. He said, but during this epidemic epidemic scourge, if he gave any thought to the matter, and then he uh, he's actually referring to uh, a Senator Tillman, who talked about white supremacy and, and that God um, designed for whites to be on top. And, and 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 black folk to be on the bottom. So he said that um, this is again, going back to Grimke. He said, but during this epidemic scourge, if he gave any thought to the matter, if a particle of sense remained in him, he must have seen the folly of counting upon a white skin. Did the whiteness of his skin protect him? Did the epidemic pause to see whether his skin was white or black? before smiting him. If what Of what value has a white skin been during these weeks of suffering and death? What possible advantage has accrued to anyone because of the whiteness of his skin? And then he, he goes on. He says, during these terrible weeks, while the epidemic raged, God has been trying in a very pronouncedly, conspicuously, and vigorous way to beat a little sense into the white man's head. <laughs> but is it because this is all right? He 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 gives a sermon um, on on November the third, and this is after uh, Washington D.C.'s um, their their version, their nineteenth, I mean their, their early twentieth century version of social distancing and school closures and church closures were lifted, so they're back in church. Um, but you can see what's on his mind, but it never left his mind. I mean, even, I mean, during, during the war, he, he, he called out, uh, white hypocrisy regarding fighting for liberty and that sort of thing. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything strange or out of source for Grimke to include that in the sermon. Do we know what type of impact this pandemic had on his spiritual life at large? Uh, it seemed as though, I mean, judging from his writings, judging from that sermon, it seemed as though uh, Grimke was optimistic that the, the pandemic and those who, who had endured it and went through it and survived it as Christians would actually be better people, better, better Christians, um, that they would redouble their efforts to, 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 to serve the Lord and and so forth and so on. I think he really wanted to see the community. Yeah, he, he actually believed that the community at large, and in, in, in he was speaking of uh, the community of the District of Columbia, that they would be better because of this. 
so he did have an optimistic view regarding uh, outcomes of the uh, pandemic. What do you think that the church needs to hear from Grimke today? His candor about racial injustice. That's that was that's 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 the big thing. Um, I'm I'm reading this stuff and it's it's as relevant then in 1918 and 1919 as it is today. I mean, we're dealing with the same things. And he was a man who was straight by the book in terms of his fidelity to the Reformed tradition. But yet, here he was in a largely white Presbyterian church, USA, and he was unafraid to speak truth to the issue of, of racial injustice and racism. In fact, he... He said that he did this in, in such an honest and stark way, an imitation of Jesus, who was calling out racism. Well, I'm sorry, he was calling, Grimke was calling out racism because he believed it was for the good of whites to hear about uh, racism and to do better by all African-Americans. So that, that was the case in 1918, 1919. is definitely the case in 2020. Thank you so much, Eric, for coming on to share with us about this. My pleasure. Here's the latest coronavirus news in the world and church for the week of April 27th. One in four Americans say their faith has grown stronger because of the coronavirus pandemic, reports Pew Research Center this week. According to the report, and I quote, Christians are more likely than other religious groups in this analysis to say their faith has grown stronger as a result of the pandemic, a feeling that is reported by 56% of Protestants in the historically black tradition as well as four in 10 evangelicals and roughly one quarter of Catholics and mainline Protestants. An initiative for churches with deeper pockets to help congregations struggling financially because of the pandemic has raised more than $400,000 and received over 1,000 applications for funding, reports RNS. Organized by the Ann Campaign, the Relief Fund was created to provide $3,000 grants to churches in need. The pandemic has presented blessings and challenges to the Indian church. In a recent piece for Christianity Today, Isaac Shaw, the senior pastor of Bible Bhavan Christian Fellowship in New Delhi writes, I have heard amazing stories from our multi-site congregations across North India, where neighbors who were once hostile towards us have come forward and supplied the church with free food and aid to distribute to vulnerable community members. At one of our churches, the neighbors even volunteered to come with our team to provide aid to the community and shared that it came from the local church. As the Indian church is expressing its love for those who are suffering the most, previously antagonistic neighbors are partnering with the church in expressions of our help. This marks a new day. On the other hand, the Christian persecution advocacy group, Open Doors, reports that one of their partners told them, and I'll quote this as well, The pandemic has not stopped the growing persecution against the Christians. There are many Christians in India who are able to use online streaming of worship, sermons, and prayers, but the majority of the Christians in the rural areas are facing threats and persecution amid the lockdown. We are receiving news of persecution incidents from many areas, even in the situation where people have been ordered to stay inside their homes. In fact, 
we believe that during this phase of lockdown, Christians are suffering even more than before, since most of them now have to combat economic problems as well as the opposition and hatred from their community. To read the previously mentioned Christianity Today story and for more coverage on how the church is responding to coronavirus, please visit the link in the show notes. Because of the global nature of this crisis, we believe it's important to hear from our sisters and brothers in Christ from around the world. This week's prayer is from Amanda Jackson, the Executive Director of the Women's Commission at the World Evangelical Alliance. Hello, I'm Amanda Jackson, Director of the Women's Network of the World Evangelical Alliance. I live in central London, which is now strangely quiet in lockdown. Five minutes walk away is a hospital caring for hundreds of coronavirus patients. 70% of all medical and care staff across England are women. So let's pray specially for these women now, risking their lives to save others. Lord God, thank you for women using their skills to care for seriously ill patients across the world. Protect them, we pray. Provide the right equipment and testing. Give them abundant energy to cope with stressful long hours. Take away any fears they have for their own health and for their families. And give them instead peace, resilience and quiet hope. And may they know that their work is deeply appreciated. In the name of Jesus, our healer and redeemer. Amen. Prayer Amid Pandemic is produced by myself, Morgan Lee, along with Matt Linder, Mike Cosper, and Eric Petrick. Please help us spread the word about Prayer Amid Pandemic by sharing about it on social media or recommending it to your friends. The best way for you to help, though, is by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. If you have feedback, please send us an email at podcast at christianitytoday.com or on Twitter at CT Podcasts. We'll see you soon.